This is Vixen John, creator of Minute Made New York, and you're listening to Minutes Heard. On today's episode of Minutes Heard, we're going back to college by sharing some stories from a few of my college friends. For those of you who don't know, I attended SUNY New Paltz in upstate New York for my undergrad, which was a transformative time for me. I learned a lot about myself, my interests, and made some really good connections. The following two people are examples of those connections, one who became a mentor to me who currently does work in education, as well as an amazing individual whose work with being a doula helps other mothers bring life into this world. Let's go back to class. Sit back and take a listen. What motivates you to wake up every day and make the best of it? What's your motivation? Uh, my motivation is to give back to the world that gave so much to me and to serve those who are lacking. Um, and that's not coming from like a superiority or a messiah complex, but just to be there for people who just don't have, you know, because I know what it is to not have growing up as a, you know, young black man, single parent home in Brooklyn, New York. You know, I know what that is like. And so, you know, one of the things that I learned very early from, you know, my, my upbringing was to always just give back. And so that's my motivation to wake up. Talk about your uh, educator journey. Like, kind of just talk about its origins, how you got into it, how it got started, and just kind of summarize how it started to where you are now. It's weird. Um, professionally, I started in about 2007, 2008. I really can't call it because I started mentoring around that time, but then at the same time, I started working at City Year. Um, and that was the beginning of my like professional educational background. But it's kind of weird looking back on it because like, you know, when I was in high school, I, you know, all of my jobs were in like school system based like organization like SCA or School Construction Authority. Um, I was working in the DOE, the executive floor, my like co-op year. Um, when I was in college, I worked work study in the, in the elementary education department. You know, and then recently, about a couple years ago, a friend reminded me that, um, you know, when I was, you know, young back in maybe like middle school, I had a friend of mine who I used to like teach how to read during the summer. And these are things that I like forgot. So it was kind of like always in my life, you know, along with the fact that like all the schools I went to were named after famous educators and, and, and innovators. So to kind of like know that this is my path is kind of something that's been very empowering. Um... And so how I got here is just perseverance and just not letting go of that love I have for just being there for, like, young, the, the next generation. And how do, you, how do you tie, like, music, your music, into kind of, like, your, your ambitions and your goals and your passion? Like, how do you tie music into that? How does that affect what you do? Um, my music and my education is very symbiotic. Like, one cannot live without the other. Like, my music drives my professional life, and then my professional life also supports my music endeavors. So, like, the two are very symbiotic as far as, like, surface level. But as, um, in regards to how they feed into each other, like, they're both one and the same. Like, through my music, I'm always trying to, like, my, my biggest goal, my aim was always to be a healer. So, through education, I found, like, that's how you heal people. You give something to somebody that they didn't have before to make or to enhance them from a place them, you know, what where they were before. And, you know, 
the same thing with my educational you know background that's exactly what I do whether it's through my volunteer work whether it's through my professional career like all of that is just through like supporting and uplifting people if you don't mind sharing or you know whatever experience you decide to share mm -hmm. um, talk about a moment in your I guess educational career professional personal mm -hmm. uh, that you could kind of call like a pivotal point for you man I'm trying to find just one but I would have to say it was uh, it was 2012 we were I was working at this organization called Lifelines in Sunset Park Brooklyn and um, as an after school tutor and it was towards the end of the year, and we were, like, rehearsing our spring show, which, you know, they did every year. And it was, like, a spring and fall show. And there was this young girl who actually, uh, eighth grader, because it was a middle school program. And it was this girl who was in the eighth grade um, named Patty. Never forget her. Um, we, we both came in one day wearing the same exact hoodie. And... Um, you know, it's kind of weird. You know, we took a flick. She's like, hey. And I was like, all right, yo, I need to, like, find someplace newer to shop. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, a couple weeks later, at the end of the year, you know, this is, like, the first time I ever spoke to her, you know, mind you, when we actually had the hoodie, you know, the hoodie picture day. And um, what made it so incredible was that at the end of the year, we had a big circle with, like, all the tutors and, you know, after-school staff and then the students. And she stood up and was like, look, you know, my tutor was good, but Nick was the best. And all the other students in the program started jumping, you know, just stood up and started clapping for me. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, yo, I don't even know half y'all names, you know what I'm saying? But, like, for y'all to feel like I had that big of an impact to y'all, like, that was really, that was really moving to me. Um, and just let me know that, like, I'm wanted and needed in this world, Um and my heart is in the right place and that my, my mind is putting me in the right path to stay in that right place. And it all started from a hoodie. What is your perspective of the world in front of you? Is it getting better or worse? Why or why not? Um, better or worse? I, I think both are very subjective ways of looking at it. Um, there are some ways where it's vastly improving and then in some ways where it's vastly getting worse. Um, that said... I think the world just kind of goes through cycles and we just kind of bear witness to it all and like our life is based on like how we interpret those, you know, cycles. For example, right? Like I was watching Narcos season 2, shout out. And um you know, I was looking and I was like, "Wow, you know, Pablo Escobar was kind of like our, you know, El El Chapo." You know what I mean? And like Pablo Escobar in the 80s was like, you know, uh, uh, what's this dude's name? Al Capone in the 20s, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, every generation has that one, you know, every 10 years is always that, that, that generational thing. So for me, I'm just like, all right, you know, what's the lesson to be learned um, in order to make what I do better? You know, because I can't control or, or manage what anyone else does. I can't take responsibility for what anybody else does but me. So I just kind of look at what goes on in the world. You know, I can't save everybody. I can't do everything, but I can do something. And what that something is is going to be powerful because I make it so, you know. Um, and hopefully that impact that I leave will make the next generation a lot better, a lot smarter, um, and a lot more resilient when it comes to getting their dreams accomplished. If you could identify any challenges 
that you've faced like in this educator life of yours and how have they kind of how have you I guess tackled uh, you know one or two of these challenges or whatever challenges that have come across for you um I'd have to say the biggest challenge that I've ever faced as an educator is meeting students that I could not reach. Um, That has to be the most heartbreaking thing I've ever experienced because it's like, or because it feels like it's unfinished work. Because the thing about education is that it requires a lot of time, more so than patience, um, in my opinion, it requires a lot of time. Like, you just have to, and you always have to remember that you're learning right along with them. You know, like, don't, uh, there's one caveat I got to say is, like, don't be one of them teachers who just goes in the classroom and think you know everything. Like, nah, them kids going to teach you something. You know, your students are going to teach you something if you're willing to be open to it. But I had to say, like, those students who I just could not reach, whether it was because of external influences or they just wasn't vibing with me or, you know, Whatever the the cause may be, I have to say, like, that was probably, like, the biggest uh, challenge I faced is those students that I just could not, you know, get to or that didn't get the lesson I was trying to give them at the time. But at the same time, that gives me hope because just because they didn't get it when they were with me or whatever, it doesn't mean that they won't get it from either somebody else or they won't understand it with time for themselves. Who knew you? Whole new like concept of like it's not called midwifery, but just like talk about that. Talk about the importance of it. Talk about how you come, came about it and like you know like why is this important to you now? Why are you passionate about it? Well, um, I think through my my black studies d- degree is where I came from. Um, I feel like television and radio was something I fell into, and then black studies was something that helped heal me as a person um as an uh, african descent a person of african descent it wasn't i remember the class it was in the, the black woman i haven't really talked about this about this precise moment but it was in um dr marguerite lewis's class the black woman and i forgot what the class was the the particular class that they was we were talking about um birthing or just like black woman's health and there was a book about it so that's when i started to be become a little more interested in like, oh, you know, like this is something that's part of our, our history. And in college was when I started to be able to be myself. Like I felt like I could be free to be who I wanted to be. And so in that freedom, there was a lot of exploration of spiritual spiritual paths, but also healing myself, healing myself from, um, starting to heal myself from depression, from anxiety, and heal like the relationship I had to my body. Um, and with one of my very good friends in my life at that point, um, around like 2007, as I was learning more about my body, I was also learning about what are my natural gifts as a person. So I realized that I was a really good teacher, just naturally was able to explain and teach people things. And also people felt very comfortable with me. People, everybody would always come to me throughout my life um, because I felt made them feel calm and then I always felt like I wanted to be a healer so like those things were just naturally bubbling up in me Um, at the end of college I wanted to teach other women what I had learned 
I wanted to share this with other women. Not because I wanted to make a career out of it, but more so because I really wanted to, other women to know what was kept from them because of the shame that patriarchy and um, our conditioning and generations of conditioning have, have done to us. So um, I began to train as a holistic health counselor after I graduated college. And then I came across, like, somewhere in, in all of that, I came across, like, doulas and midwives. And I was scared at first to just become a midwife, but I decided to become a doula because I was like, well, if I help, if I can naturally make people feel calm just by my presence alone, and I want to help women in whatever way, what is the most stressful situation that I could possibly be of, of service? Labor. Like, I think of all the, the, the stress, stressful situations on the planet, like, that's one that happens all the time, and it's the most important. So, um, in 2009, I decided I wanted to be a doula, and in 2010, I finally got trained. And at my first birth, um, I realized, like, I'm on the wrong side of the bed. Like, I need to be a midwife. Like, I knew immediately at my first birth, I was like, okay, I need to just stop being scared and do this. So in 2011, I decided, yes, I definitely want to be a midwife. Um, 2012, I started to go to nursing school so I could be a CNM, a, nurse, a certified professional midwife. But when I first realized that I wanted to be a midwife, I knew that I wanted to be trained as close to the way our ancestors were. Um, I don't believe that birth should happen in a hospital. There's no reason for it unless it's med medically indicated. And there are those indications where it might, might be safer, but the majority of women are healthy. Not maybe um, detoxing every day and drinking green juices and stuff, but majority of us are pretty, like, you know, in pretty good health and can birth at home or in another location that's not a hospital. So, um, I decided I did the CNM route at first because of finances and then I had a nervous breakdown and as I was recovering in, in therapy I was just like no I really want to be trained like by doing because the kind of midwife I'm gonna I'm the kind of certification that I'll have is a certified professional midwife and it's the only certification that's trained exclusively outside of hospitals so after that nervous breakdown and a couple other life events, I was like, I just packed my bags. I learned how to drive in like a month. I don't know how I did that. And I guess when there's a will, there's a freaking way. Like you will figure it out. Uh, my goodness, will you figure it out? And I figured it out. And I went to Texas. And I was in, enrolled in a one-year intensive program, um, working in El Paso um, on the border of that city and Ciudad Juarez, Mexico. And so women from Ciudad Juarez would come to the birthing center and birth. So I learned how to be a midwife exclusively in Spanish for the first my first year. It was a lot of birth. I think I saw like almost 100 babies be born in a year in 365 days. So you're averaging like every other day a baby, maybe if you average it like that. It's not, it wasn't like that, but you do the math. Um, so that was my first year, and um, I'm passionate about it because other than death, 
birth is the other the other life is the most important thing and i think that as people of color and people who are oppressed we need to start to have control over not just our businesses and money and economics but our health and the way that we come into the world the way that we, people come into the world in the hospital is very violent like you we are disrupting the natural flow of hormones and the natural flow of how we're supposed to bond to the most important person in our life and um if we are coming into the world in violence we're setting up the rest of our lives to be violent we're setting up the rest of our lives to be sick and everything else that happens in that period and women's health is incredibly important like no offense to men but the one of the most important creatures on the planet is a woman period like you could feel however you want to feel about that and i'm not saying you i'm just saying men in general but that's why I was telling you about the art exhibit and wanting to have that conversation. Like we really have to come back as a community and as a people and talk about birth. You know, we're so disconnected from the way we come into the planet and we don't think about the way we leave the planet. I don't, for me, once, once I started to be a midwife and really became like, as a doula, I felt it. But as I started to actually feel like, and know what it feels like to have a, a new human being in my hands, Everything else is so petty. Like, and then the things that are serious have become even more magnified serious, like oppression, war, senseless violence, just normal, normalized violence between each other has become so, so much more like offensive to me. And I have like this, I have, I'm enraged because I'm sad because I just, I know what it looks like. Like, I think everyone should see a birth. Everyone should see what the beginning of life is like. Just so that you can understand why we need to stop doing what we're doing. Like, after midwifery school, oh my god. All I wanted to do was get on the world, like, on the stage of the world. Whatever proverbial stage this is. And be like, just stop. Everything you're doing, just stop. Like, I don't understand why this is going on. I could give you a whole entire synopsis. We could write theses and dissertations about it. But just stop. Like, why are we killing each other? Why are we doing this? Like, human rights have become of the utmost importance to me after becoming a midwife or remembering how to be a midwife better said um just don't talk about it on a practical level like that we don't talk about the human body and the like the wonder of it like everything is so external everything is so about like instant gratification um totally forgetting our humanity and becoming people and as a writer i look at words Human and human and person are two different words. Person comes from the Greek word persona, meaning mask. Human, I wasn't able to do the entire etymological study of the word human, but it means, you know, person of the earth. It roughly translated. So we've become more people than humans. You know, we continue to become more and more of these masks and these separations of each other. And birth is the most, is the one thing we have in common. Of all the things that separate us and make us different, birth is the one thing that connects every single human being. There's no way you got on the planet if you weren't born. You know, and so that's why I feel so passionate about it. I really feel like we can start to break major cycles of like internalized trauma and oppression and generational trauma 
and we start to heal our birthing, our birthing um, practices, especially for women of color, and we start to then from there start to heal like our primary relationships and our like family relationships, be it blood or brethren, um, and then start to demand as a whole not separate these struggles but unify all of our struggles in the world under basic human rights if we all start fighting for human rights that encompasses all the fights under the under the notion that because you were born you deserve this and more thanks for listening to this episode of minutes heard make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and follow or subscribe to Minute Maid New York on Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube. Do you have a minute?